This is episode 14 of the Career Geek Podcast, in which we speak to zoologist Dr. Jenny Martin. I'm now sitting down here with Dr. Jenny Martin, who is a lecturer at Melbourne University uh, as a zoologist and uh, science communications. Uh, she also is a researcher in the field of zoology and uh, ecology, uh, specialising in the sex and social life of possums. Uh, she's also a presenter on 3 R on the Einstein Go Go show. Uh, and she's also a member on the expert committee on developing an evidence-based for science engagement in Australia. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. That sounds really interesting when you put it all together like that. <laughs> yeah. So you, you're a zoologist, obviously, which, yep. you know, study of animals, self-explanatory. Yep. But uh, science communications, which you say is your main passion, yep. that needs a bit, a bit more explanation. What is science communications? It's basically the idea that so much science kind of happens behind closed doors and so much fantastic scientific research that happens is never really presented to non-scientists in any really digestible way. So there's all sorts of great things going on that the general public never hears about or kids in schools never hear about or maybe the government never hears about. And so my real passion now is to help training scientists in um, how to explain their science in, in different ways according to different audiences. That sounds excellent. Yes, it's very exciting. <laughs> that could be an entire show in itself, but unfortunately I won't be able to address that. <laughs> but I'm very glad you're doing that kind of work. And I should also add that on the website at kengeek.com, we will have a, a, a link to a few of your papers that you've done. Yep, that'd be great. So if people are interested in your research, they can follow that up. Okay, so um, we'll, we'll keep it broad in both your, your fields of um, zoology and uh, science communications. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about, say you're a, a graduate from a science degree. What are the steps between being a graduate uh, student to conducting your own research? How many years does it take and what are the steps in between? Um, It depends a little bit on what your interests are, but I can tell you what I did. So I did an undergraduate degree combined, both science and arts, because although I knew I wanted to pursue science, I also wanted to continue with um, other interests, which was mainly to keep up a language, and also I wanted to do some history and philosophy of science and anthropology and literature and all sorts of things. So I did both science and arts. And at the end of that five-year undergraduate degree, I certainly could have gone out into the workforce if I'd wanted to, but I really wanted to do my own scientific research. So that was when I then did an honours year, which you could have gone into straight after a three-year science degree, but I did after that five-year undergraduate degree. And that's for the first time you really get to do your own research. So that was a year of doing what they call an honours degree, which was almost fully um, doing my own research. And then at the end of that, I was a sucker for punishment and decided I wanted to do more research. And that's when I then enrolled in a PhD, which is meant to be three years, but for most people it's more like four or five years. And that's really independent work. So the papers that you're going to put links to, that's all work that came out of my PhD. So at the end of all that, I guess I'd been at uni for, what, nearly 10, 11 years, something like that. And then you have the wonderful benefit of being able to put those little words doctor in front of your name, which um, can be very useful at times. But really, yeah, having a PhD then puts you in a position that you can do what I do, which is what I love, which is the teaching of, of students and supporting their research. Okay. What are the, the employment opportunities, uh, employment fields are there for a, a graduate? Um, I can probably only really talk specifically about zoology because that's my area because obviously other scientific disciplines have very different employment avenues but for a zoologist um, the opportunities are really quite broad and there certainly um, there are opportunities we have a lot of students coming through when they're in year 11 or year 12 and you know coming to open day and saying I love animals but am I ever going to get a job and my answer to that is well actually you will you know it's um, it's not quite as limited as, as you might think so we have people who end up working for government for example we have a lot of people working 
um, for different for either Department of Sustainability Environment or Department of Primary Industries or working for Parks Victoria for example quite a lot of people end up in consulting because obviously you know any development that goes on environmental impact statements have to take place to assess the environmental impact of, of any sort of development and you need mm. zoologists on board who can mm. try and work out what the impact is going to be on our fauna so consulting is quite a big employment area um, then there's people who end up in research like I am so people who stay within academia or go to other research organizations to do research we have people who end up in education um, there's just lots and lots of things I guess the wonderful thing about a science degree is that it gives you a whole lot of what they call generic skills which I don't really like as a phrase but you know you know what it means you, you learn how to read critically you learn how to think carefully you learn how to problem solve you learn how to apply theories to different practical everyday situations a whole lot of things which are actually really useful so we certainly don't have any problem with people getting employed. So what's it like job hunting as a zoologist is it are you going to end up at a at a stable company that you will do work at um, you'll do you do all your research from one company or is it more like being a freelancer where you hop from one small job to the next? Um, no, I'd say it's usual that you end up with a, with a stable job, whether that's at a university or another research institute or whether that's with the government or a consultancy or any of those other um, places that I mentioned. Um, I mean, often it's contract work in the sense that you might do a two or three year job. So the most mm. common um, pathway after you've done a PhD, if, if what you want to do is research, is then to do what's called a postdoctoral fellowship. So postdoctoral simply meaning after your doctoral work. And that's usually a two or three or four year position. So often you do move around every couple of years for different things. But there are very few zoologists who end up freelancing because it's not that sort of industry. It's not that kind of work. I mean, I guess the, the closest thing you get to that is consultancy where different, um, you know, the, the big consulting company that you're employed by will go from project to project to project and you're assigned to different projects. But um, I haven't done any zoological consultancy, so I'm telling you what I know from friends who have. No worries. What about uh, people who are maybe just interested in volunteering um, yep. or maybe just kind of low-level work? Is there any opportunities for um, assistant work or, yeah, or volunteer opportunities look, Are people absolutely. just interested in, in, in working with animals? Yeah, look, there's huge, there's huge numbers of opportunities. Everything from kind of the word-of-mouth very um, casual stuff whereby we have you know large numbers of PhD students who are conducting their own field work and quite often need volunteers which is you know you pretty much have to find by word of mouth and it's it's not the sort of thing that's advertised right through to their organizations called um, conservation volunteers um, I think it's called conservation volunteers Australia people can google them there's look there's lots of different organizations if you just um, do a search for volunteering with animals or something like that there are um, yeah look there are many many opportunities out there there's no question about it but certainly we have lots of people you know universities all around the place have zoology students who need people to go and volunteer with them but it's just a matter of being being available for the right amount of time and you know often it can be hard if you've only got weekends because you're doing something else full time it can be um, hard to be available at the right times what kind of person would you say um, what would would make a good zoologist i mean both in terms of um ethics but also uh intelligence and, and being able to um understand the scientific principles um look i think zoology is like any science in that you have to have had solid scientific training because it's no good just to go out into the bush and you know find an animal and say oh i want to understand what you're doing and set up some ad hoc kind of research program that, that isn't grounded in any um 
you know, any scientific basis, I guess. So you, you have to have studied science to know how science works and to know how to set up a hypothesis and test a hypothesis and getting your experimental design right is, is so important because otherwise you can spend a year or two or three collecting data and at the end of that time you can be realise that you actually can't say anything because you didn't set up your, you know, set up your data collection in the right way. So I think having a scientific background is important. Um, from there, look, the sort of zoology that I do, and I should make it clear, there are a number of different kind of areas that come under that banner of zoology. So we have people who are full-time lab scientists trying to, um, whether they're working with stem cells or whether they're trying to understand um, the intricacies of reproduction or, you know, there's lots of things that, that are well outside my field. I'm a field biologist, so I go out into the bush and try and understand what animals are doing in the wild and, and what affects them and what affects their behaviour. To do the sort of stuff that I do, you have to be prepared to rough it a bit, um, you know, live somewhere where you might not have all of your um, home comforts. Potentially, you have to be very patient because, you know, animals don't always do what you want them to do. You might be trying to work out something, but, you know, the animals aren't doing what you've seen before or what you expected them to do. Or I mean, I think all science is a matter of perseverance because by its nature, the way you understand anything is by collecting repeated data on it you know you have to get more and more and more of the same information before you can determine well there's a pattern here you know I I understand that 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 this is happening because I've seen it repeatedly so you just have to have perseverance and you have to be a bit um, you know just a bit stubborn I think and not give in when things don't necessarily go your way because almost by definition things won't always go your way so yeah and I think just having a passion for it you know you don't it's not an industry that makes huge amounts of money, so you don't commit to going and spending your time trying to understand what animals are doing unless you really believe strongly that it's an important thing to know because you know, no one's going to turn around and give you a million-dollar bonus for having you know, uncovered something. It's not like the business world. You know, It's a pretty different world we live in, but one of the huge benefits is that you tend to have colleagues who are as passionate as you are. They're there because it's what they love, which is a pretty nice way to work, I think. Well, how did you find your speciality? I mean, I mean, there's a lot of options as a zoologist or even just as a scientist. How did you find what field you want or what particular part of zoology you want to specialise in? Um, I, I grew up in a zoological family, so I kind of always knew that zoology was something I was passionate about. My dad was a field biologist, well, still is, retired field biologist. Um, so I knew I wanted to study science, and once I got to uni it was confirmed that I did want to study zoology. Um, And from there, I think a number of factors played a role. I I guess as a teenager, I was one of those people who said, oh, I want to study marine biology, you know, because it seems so... um, um, Adventurous? Yeah, adventurous. And, you know, it's kind of sexy being a marine biologist, you know, this sort of... um, Yeah, but but I guess then I discovered that the sort of questions I was interested in, which is how animals behave and in particular how animals are impacted on by human... um, impacts on our environment I realized that yeah the sort of questions I wanted to ask were more easily um, accessible I guess or got atable is a very good phrase working on animals that lived on land and and I also just love the bush you know I'm a real person who just I love being in the bush I love having nice trees you know sitting here in the middle of Melbourne CBD doesn't do a lot for me I mean I find people interesting to watch but you know concrete kind of turns me off I'd much rather be out in the forest so that was part of it and also just it comes down to personality you know the people that 
that I met who were working in my particular field, which is mammalogy, so studying mammals, um, I just really gelled with them and they, I just got really excited working with them and I started going to conferences and the whole kind of um, community that was studying mammals in Australia, I really gelled with and I felt really excited about it. I guess mammals are interesting because um, many of them are at, you know, are at risk. Conservation is a big issue when it comes to Australia's mammals. So, yeah, and look, it wasn't planned. All of a sudden I kind of found myself doing honours on this particular species, which is the bowbuck or the mountain brush-tailed possum, and they're incredibly charismatic and quite, um, quite a puzzle in terms of their behaviour. They were doing things we wouldn't really expect them to, so I spent a year doing honours with them and got to the end of that year and there were more questions than answers, so... I um, applied for a PhD scholarship, got my scholarship and thought, right, now I'm going to, you know, now I'm going to do more of that and I don't, you know, I, I would do it all over again. It was very hard, you know, if you work on a nocturnal species, it basically means you have to become nocturnal, working out in the middle of nowhere by yourself mm. in rain, hail or snow at night. It's not, um, it's not always the most fun, but look, I wouldn't change it for the world and it's given me a solid understanding of how science works, which is vital for what I'm doing now, which is this trying to um, encourage scientists to be able to communicate more effectively. So it's all, it's all got me to a place I'm really happy to be, but I don't miss spending my nights chasing around possums in the bush, I have to be honest. Yeah, excellent. As mentioned, <laughs> I, I was reading the abstract of those studies and they sound really excellent, uh, really fascinating. And as mentioned, they will be up, uh, well, some of them at least will be up on the website. What's the state of the industry right now for newcomers trying to get into the field? How many opportunities are there? Um, look, it's a really hard question for me to answer because I'm not, I'm not out there applying for jobs mm. because I'm fortunate enough to be doing what I'm doing at, at the uni. Um, but look, my gut feeling is that if anything, this area is going to become more important because there's no question that we're at a real... Um, you know, we're teetering on the edge of our environment, basically collapsing around us, and everybody knows that. Um, we just got to try and get our governments to listen to that. And so people who are working in the industry who are trying to understand what our fauna needs and how we can conserve them um, in the face, particularly, of climate change, you know, it's, it's just absolutely vital. So I don't think anyone could argue to me that... that uh, working in an environmental field is going to some, some quickly become less important or, or less vital or less supported. So, look, I would argue to anyone who's interested, if, if that's your passion, if that's what you love, don't for a minute be put off the idea because you think you're not going to get a job because that's just not true. You know, our industry, our government, everybody is going to have to start putting more money um, into environmental issues or, you know, what are humans going to do? Are we going to live... I don't know, are we going to go live on some other planet because we've stuffed this one up so badly? I mean, it's not going to happen in the short term as far as I understand. So I think, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's only going to become more important the way I see it. Yeah, it's all very true. Well, uh, thank you very much for joining me. Is there, do, you wanna, do you have any final parting words of advice for people trying to get into your field? Oh, look, my advice is just go for it, you know. Volunteer as much as you can. Um, pursue any opportunities you find to go and learn more about about um, what's going on out there, to d discover your own skills, the things that you do love, the things that you don't love. You might have a romantic notion of being a marine biologist like I did and then discover that actually it's not necessarily what you want to do. So I think exposing yourself to, to science and seeing where it takes you and, and just to know that... Um, science sometimes gets a bad rap out there because people don't necessarily um, see it as, as vital but there's just no question that science is such an important part of everyday life and the more people who understand how it works and then hopefully we'll, um, then we'll want to communicate it more broadly then it's got to help us all I think. Excellent. 
thank you very much. Uh, I've been talking with Dr. Jenny Martin. As mentioned, if you want to hear more from her, she is on 3RRR uh, on Einstein and GoGo. And uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time out of your day. Thanks for inviting me, Kyle. Lovely to talk with you. You've been listening to the Career Geek Podcast, a series of interviews with professionals working in all kinds of fields and industries relevant in some way to geeky interests, in the interest of learning about how exactly you get into these kind of awesome jobs. This is also a spin-off of the Canned Geek Podcast. Now that podcast is an hour-long discussion show of geek culture and news with myself and two other hosts, and you can find episodes of that podcast as well as more career geek interviews at www.cangeek.com or you can subscribe on iTunes and follow the feed of both podcasts on there. And check out cangeek.com for the most comprehensive and up-to-date guide to geeky conventions, meets and events happening in Australia, New Zealand and Tasmania. All the links mentioned in this episode can be found in the show notes at cangeek.com and I do plan on adding more episodes of Career Geek in the future. Lastly, and most importantly, I'd like to thank the voices behind all the people you hear in the Career Geek podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with me and share your knowledge. Thank you for listening. Once again, the website is cannedgeek.com, and the music you've been hearing in the background is by Chicago Lolly.